Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Good morning all and welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous, meeting on air. My name is Dan and I'm an alcoholic. I'll say hi Dan if you like. Hi Dan. Hi Dan. <laughs> hi everyone. And I'm your chairperson for today's meeting. So if you'd like to all uh, join me and we'll open the meeting with the serenity prayer. God, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Excellent. All right. Now I'll read the AA preamble now. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of people who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. So it's great to be back in the studio in, um, in this lovely warm December in Wellington. And we're also lucky to have the Came to Believe group in the studio today. Now this, that's a, a, a group that runs on Sunday mornings at 11am from Trades Hall in, in Teato in central Wellington. So welcome everyone. So, so, so what, what we'll do is we will, um, well, I will do a, a, a small reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, Chapter Three, more about alcoholism. So I'll read that to, to start us off. Chapter Three, more about alcoholism. Most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real alcoholics. No person likes to think he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. Therefore, it is not surprising that our drinking careers have been characterised by countless vain attempts to prove we could drink like other people. The idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people, or presently may be, has to be smashed. We alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. We know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. All of us felt at times that we were regaining control, but such intervals, usually brief, were inevitably followed by still less control, which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. We are convinced to a man that alcoholics of our type are in the grip of a progressive illness. Over any considerable period we get worse, never better. We are like men who have lost their legs, they never grow new ones. Neither does there appear to be any kind of treatment which will make alcoholics of our kind like other men. We have tried every imaginable remedy. In some instances there have, has been brief recovery, followed always by a still worse relapse. 
Physicians who are familiar with alcoholism agree there is no such thing as making a normal drinker out of an alcoholic. Science may one day accomplish this, but it hasn't done so yet. So that was a reading from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, chapter 3, more about alcoholism. So before we start the sharing, we'll do another uh, reading, which is we're trying to follow the format of the of the, the meeting, which is uh, Came to Believe. So uh, I'll pass on to Heather, who will do a reading from the book Came to Believe, on which the meeting is based. So, Heather. Thank you. Um, and this is from page five, and it's called In His Own Individual Right. Spirituality is an awakening, or is it all the loose ends woven together into a mellow fabric? It's understanding. Or is it all the knowledge one ever need? No. It's freedom, if you consider fear slavery. It's confidence, or is it the belief that a higher power will see you through any storm or gale? It's adhering to the dictates of your conscience, or is it a deep, genuine, living concern for the people and the planet? It's peace of mind in the face of adversity. It's a keen and sharpened desire for survival. It's a man or a woman. It's gratitude for every happenstance of the past that brought you to a moment of justice. It's the joy of being a young man in a young world. It's awareness, or is it realisation of one's capabilities and limitations? It's concentration, or is it an easy sense of the sensing of the universe? It's seen a mystical power for good in each and every human being. It's patience in the face of stupidity. It's feeling you want to knock somebody's head off and walking away instead. When, you, when you're past your last dime and you know you still have something that money can't buy. It's wearing dungarees that feel like a tuxedo. It's wanting to go home and yet being there. It's a rocket ride that goes far beyond the world your eye can see. It's looking at something superficially as ugly but radiates beauty. It's a majestic skyline or a western desert. It's a young child. It's seen a caterpillar turn into a butterfly. It's the awareness that survival is a savage fight between you and yourself. It's a magnetic pull towards those who are down and out. It's knowing that even the bad times are good. Don't look back. You haven't seen anything yet. When people look at you and wonder what's with you, the look in your eyes will answer them because I can cut it. The singular thing that is spirituality cannot be given to a fellow man by word of mouth. If every man is to have it, then every man must earn it in his own way, by his own hand, stamped by the seal of himself in his own individual right. Thanks, Heather. All right, uh, so now we'll, we'll start with the, the sharing part of the meeting. Uh, normally the, the sharing is experienced strength and hope or, or, or can be based on, on the actual um, reading it came to believe. So I'll hand over to, um, to Mark to begin the sharing. Uh, thank you, uh, Dan. Uh, my name is Mark and I'm an alcoholic. Um, Hi, Mark. And this is my home group um, and it's uh, really nice to be here. Thank you, Dan, for uh, making uh, this possible. And, uh, you know, we're coming towards the end of the year and it's a privilege to do uh, this in 
in these days and times. You know, it's been a it's been a pretty difficult year, um, but we're getting through it. And uh, I love the reading. Thank you, uh, Heather, in his own individual right. And um, you know, I was before we came into the studio, I was uh, we arranged to meet in a cafe, and I was actually sitting in the wrong cafe uh, next to. Um, uh, I was about twenty meters away from where I was supposed to meet, and when I was there, a, um, uh, I was waiting for a table, and uh, I was standing there, and uh, and this other woman came up and poached my. Well, I thought she poached my table, and um, you know, if I had have been drinking, um, there would have been quite a scene uh, there, um, and I would have taught her a lesson. Um, you know, uh, but um, you know, I, you know, this program has taught me to uh, to pause and to uh, and to be a little bit more considered and to not focus so much on on being right, but um, you know, doing the decent thing. And I don't know whether she pushed in the head of me. In my head, um, my head told me she did, and and I hated her instantly. Um, uh, but uh, you know, I uh, I have this program of Alcoholics Anonymous, and um, and I just I just love this reading. Um, you know, it says here, spirituality is a, is an awakening, or is it all the loose ends woven together into a mellow fabric? And uh, and for me, it, it's a, bit, a little bit like that. You know, I've been I've been in this program now for for a wee while, and um, and sometimes I just intuitively know what to do, and I don't know where that comes from because I used to fight and I used to. Um, I used to stand my ground, and I would, you know, I would show you how you were treating me, and um, you know that that self-obsession and that um, that uh, self-absorption, um, it, it is still there, but it doesn't uh, rule and dictate my life uh, uh, like it used to, and and I believe it is the result of working and living the twelve steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, that's what it is for me, and primarily. Um, uh, when I work those steps, uh, um, I can't but change. Um, you know, moving uh, away from uh, selfishness and self-seeking and pride and all those those sorts of things, and and uh, and moving towards a, a more of a selflessness and and an understanding um, uh, of um, uh, other people's uh, perspective and uh, and my place in in the world. You know, being a a worker amongst worker and um, a, a worker amongst workers and um, you know what we're told in AA is um, you know it's it's a, 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 a an obsession of the mind and a physical allergy uh, um, that is the that is the diagnosis um, and uh, for me uh, I still have that issue of uh, the the problem lying in the mind and um, uh, and, and it, there's a little bit here which says it, uh, it's the awareness um, uh, that survival is a savage fight between you and yourself. And my God, that just that just came off the page because often the battles are occurring in my head, and it's my obsessive thinking, you know, about that woman in the cafe or or, or um, you know being in the wrong place, you know, being a bit silly and going to the wrong cafe and, and these sorts of things. And uh, and it's just at, at at the critical times, just asking for guidance uh, and asking for peace, and uh, and um, and and saying, I, I don't know what to do here. You know, give me guidance, and um, and uh, you know, which takes me on to the to the end bit, which also resonated uh, for me. The end bit of the reading, the, the last paragraph is the singular thing that is spirit. Uh, the singular thing that is spirituality cannot be given to a fellow man by word of mouth. If every man is to have it, then every man must earn it. 
in his own way, by his own hand, stamped by the seal of himself in his own individual right. And, you know, for me, this uh, spiritual solution, this spiritual change that I'm in the process of experiencing just doesn't happen. It's not like me. It's not like I'm sitting <clears throat> on the beach and, uh, you know, it, it, I, I just absorb it like a UV rays. I actually have to take action um, and... Uh, you know, and I have to seek God. God does, doesn't necessarily always come to me. I have to seek God at the critical times. And, and you know, those seven, eight words, God could and would if he was sought. And that's always been the challenge for me. <clears throat> you know, when my, when my will uh, takes over and when I want things to be done Mark's way, it's uh, inviting um, my higher power, who I choose to call God, into my life and asking uh, for a, uh, uh, the best way of uh, of handling uh, these situations, and you know, I'm also reminded as well that um, uh, you know, faith without works is dead. I, I, I can't just go into a cave and uh, and meditate for the whole time. I have to inter inter uh, interact with real people, and real people are a bit difficult at times. Sometimes they're bastards, um, and uh, and you know, I have to manage that um, uh, at some point, and and. You know, for me, you know, 80, 90 percent of it is not reacting in the way that I used to and not making things worse. Um, pause of tongue. Um, and, uh, you know, it's uh, it's just having that awareness um, uh, that um, uh, you know, things will be OK and easy does it. Uh, and um, and, you know, I'll come out the other end just fine. And, uh, you know, I'm heading up to Taranaki um, in a few days and spending christmas with uh with uh, with my extended family and um and i'm in two minds about that you know uh, uh sometimes i'd just like to stay here and be in a little cave but um you know i'm a member of a family and that has responsibilities so you know i will take my higher power uh with me uh and uh, when things get challenging um i will you know uh, i'll uh, remember the things that i that have been suggested to me in in alcoholics anonymous and um and, you know, I'll remember that, uh, as I said right at the beginning, that, um, uh, that loose ends woven together in a mellow fabric. And, <clears throat> and that's what um, that's my experience of um, of AA. So uh, Merry Christmas to you all. And thank you for listening. Thank you, Mark. Uh, this is uh, Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air. And uh, this is the, the Came to Believe uh, group in the studio today. Uh, just I'll just do a bit of a plug for our website, the AA website in New Zealand, aa.org.nz. Uh, there's a lot of information on that on that site, including how to get to a meeting. There's uh, information for newcomers, talking about anonymity, or is AA for me? Do you think you're too young? Uh, and a few FAQs on there as well. There's a free a free calling number, which is 0800 229 6757, and so that's uh, the number's nationwide, so there be an alcoholic that can talk to you in your area and perhaps talk to you about um, alcoholism and uh, meetings in your area as well. And there's also a section called Find a Meeting. You just select your, your city, the day and time you want to attend, and it shows up all the meetings. So that includes uh, meetings that are live in person, which there are <clears throat> many of those around the country, and there are also online meetings which are held over, usually over Zoom, and those are also throughout the country as well. All right. Well, let's um, let's carry on with the with the sharing. So, Heather, would you like to share? Sure. Thank you. 
My name's Heather and I'm a grateful recovered alcoholic. And yeah, I never thought I would say that. You know, I, when I first came to Alcoholics Anonymous via a treatment centre, um, I thought it seemed rather like a cult and more than likely some sort of weird Christian belief and I wasn't going to have anything to do with it. And I ended up making friends with two women in the fellowship who came in around the same time as me. And we used to sit over coffee or cups of tea for ages, <clears throat> moaning about it, the men in our lives, the lack of men in our lives, AA meetings, our sponsors. We used to talk about everything. And our biggest concern was we were being shoved into some AA sobriety sausage-shaped thing and that we were all going to come out exactly the same. And the three of us, and it was Maureen, Sonia and I, you couldn't, Maureen has since died, but Sonia and I are still alive, and you could not get three different, different recoveries that our three were and yet all those years ago we sat there really worried that we were just getting made into some sort of a little clone and you know we would have no thoughts of our own that we had to do exactly what AA says and um, and that hasn't been my experience at all. <clears throat> AA hasn't told me what I have to do. It's given me a book full of suggestions, um, which I take seriously. It's sort of like being suggested when you jump out of a plane that you pull the ripcord so that the parachute opens. Well, for me, you know, reading and following what the book says is me pulling my personal ripcord for AA. And and yet I thought I was going to be this... Um, I don't know what it was I thought I was going to be... Whatever it was, I didn't want it, you know, because, you know, I wanted to be in charge of my, my own stuff. And this is telling, ex saying that that's exactly what it is, you know, that's in my own individual right that I will have a certain awakening. But I also know that on page 164 of our AA Big Book, it says that um, you cannot give away what you haven't got. And I knew that I had to get whatever it was, those people whose sobriety I admired. And let's face it, there were a lot of people whose sobriety I didn't want. You know, it's, I would sit and listen to them in my, in my judgmental way. I would sit there and think, oh, my God, if you're like that after 10 years or five years or whatever, you know, I ain't doing what you whatever it is you're doing because I don't want that. Um, but no one told me I had to do it anyone's way. And I know when I go to a meeting, you know, if there's 50 people in the room, there'll be different, 50 different higher powers, you know, that we all have very different understandings of our concepts of a higher power. And I'm so grateful for that. I, um, I didn't know that's what it was going to be like. And as I say, you know, we used to sit there really worried that we were going to be made into these horrible little dull clones of sausages, um, but sober. And I know I didn't want, I actually didn't want to be sober when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous. I felt guilty when they read the preamble 
and said the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking because I did not desire to stop drinking. I desired the troubles to stop. And the treatment centre told me, well, if you stop drinking and go to AA, your troubles will stop. And I knew that was just too simple. I had tried every imaginable remedy on my so-called troubles. And um, I had troubles like, you know, policemen wanting to interview me about things and judges wanting to wag their finger at me, you know. Well, I'd tried all sorts of things to stop that happening. And in fact, at one stage, I even changed all the pubs I went to and started going to what I thought were hoity-toity pubs, is what I called them. Um, and I will go there where there is a different clientele and I will be different. But what I didn't know was when the booze went into me, I became different. And it didn't matter who I was surrounded by, alcoholism took over. And alcoholism dictated how long I would drink for and what I would do. And it didn't matter what good intentions I had when I left home. They just went out the door. I had no control over them anymore. So I'm really pleased that, you know, well, one, it's funny that I belong to a group called Came to Believe because, you know, I didn't want to come to believe anything. And yet when I moved to Wellington 11 years ago, this is the group that I chose to be my, my um, home group. And, you know, we read from this book three weeks of the month and we always just, the reading is always about the, and our sharing is always about what we've just read. And so it's about our experience, strength and hope with that particular reading rather than, we don't do war stories at our, at our um, meeting. And I find that relieves because I know how, I know my war story. I know your war story. I know poor booze into your mouth, my mouth, everyone else's mouth, and we will all change how we are. And, you know, I've, um, I've never had a regular hotel in Wellington because I've never drunk up here. I can remember once drinking up here. I was just telling someone about it the other day. I drank very early in the morning. Then I had to drive to get onto the inter-island of ferry. I was the last car to um, park on the ferry, and I had to back in. They made me back in about four times. Now, I'm sure I parked in exactly the same place on the fourth time as I did on the first. But I was drunk. How would I know? And, uh, yeah. So I'm pleased that, you know, I now have a, a city that I'm in that I don't have sordid memories attached to that corner or that street. Whereas in Christchurch, I used to have to think, oh, I can't drive down there. They might, someone might see me and I can't take my car, can't park my car there or I can't do that. I don't have any of that in, in Wellington. And that's quite a freedom, actually. But when I go back to Christchurch, those those thoughts have gone too. You know, it's no longer what I need to do. So in my own individual right, you know, um, it is gratitude for every happenstance of the past that brought you to a moment of justice. You know, I I don't regret anything in my past, in my drinking past, 
accept the hurt I've done to other people. Um, I, you know, I don't care that I had steel cap boots kicked into my head. I don't care that I got thrown in cells. I don't care about any of those things. I do care about the people I hurt along the way. But the stuff that happened to me, I needed that all that to happen to get me to where I am today. And where I am today, you know, is I am a woman in my own individual right. And I'm just so grateful for that. My life is beyond my wildest dreams. And the book talks about being happy, joyous and free. And that's what I am today. I used to siphon gas to get out of Christchurch. And um, now I can buy an air ticket to go somewhere. Well, of course, I can't right now. COVID has decided otherwise. Um, but should we um, have our borders open again at some stage? I will have the money that if I choose to, I can buy a ticket and go somewhere. And that amazes me. I don't have to you know, suck gas out of your car to get me down the road to a different pub. So I I love AA, and I like that reading that um, spirituality cannot be given to any man by word of mouth. If every man is to have it, every man, and of course every woman, <coughs> must earn it in his own way by his own hand. And I've earned it in my own way by my own hand, by doing the things that were suggested once I pulled that ripcord and started following the instructions that I read in the big book. Because people say, oh, well, it's only a suggestion. Well, yes, it's only a suggestion, but, you know, I wouldn't have jumped out of an aeroplane without pulling the ripcord, and I don't come to AA without following their suggestions. And I'll leave it at that. Thanks very much. Thanks, Heather. Thank you, Heather. Yeah, this is uh, Wellington Access Radio, 106.1 FM, and you're listening to Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air and the Came to Believe meeting in the studio. So I mentioned the AA website before, aa.org.nz. It's got a lot of good information on there for alcoholics or potential alcoholics or people that are just wondering about AA and how it works. Uh, we also do have a, a Facebook presence. It's... um. It's AA on Air Wellington, and that's um, our own page. And every so often we get little messages on there from people that are listening because this little radio station does broadcast in Wellington, but it also is available on podcasts and is listened to throughout the world. So even if you're listening to this on uh, some other uh, version, like a podcast, then you may be anywhere in the world. And so... Um, yeah, feel free to find us on Facebook, AA on Air Wellington. We do occasionally post on there about when we're having a meeting. We have it, we have them live every four four weeks in Wellington, and um, yeah, we're lucky, very lucky to be in the studio to be able to do that at the moment. So yeah, so uh, AA on Air Wellington on Facebook. All right, well let's um let's keep the sharing going. So Margie, would you like to share? Thank you, Jan. Hello, my name's Margie. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Margie. Hi, I'm um, well, very new into recovery. I've since I came into AA, it was about 13 months ago. Am I counting? <laughs> sort of, but not as frantically as I did in the early days, where I counted every day. You know, AA says you know, 24 hours. 
just think, 24 hours. I, I came into AA from um, the detox ward in the hospital. I saw a notice on the door when I was walking the corridors about a beating, and I walked into that meeting having no idea really what to expect. Um, although in the past, in my various attempts to stop drinking, I had briefly been into AA a couple of times over a period of years, but I was so appalled by, um, as Heather called them, the war stories, the things that people had done when they were drunk, which I had not done, um, that filled me with utter horror and grief and, of course, um, a false belief that, well, I couldn't be an alcoholic because I didn't do that kind of thing. Uh, my drinking was, I guess, I mean, it was certainly out of control, there's no doubt about that, but I still managed to kind of carry on a life of work and house ownership and relationships relationships were a casualty but you know and didn't end up in prison or drink driving by the grace of God um, but I came to the meeting and I've been going ever since and the one thing I know that is different from my previous times efforts to give up is my continued attending AA meetings which I've done ever since it gives you a feeling that you can, a, a, not a feeling, a knowledge that you are with people who suffer from the same disease, who may have different experiences or have reacted to the disease of alcoholism in a different way, but they understand you and you are safe and you are safe and supported in the journey. What I didn't know about AA was stopping drinking is one thing and the first thing to, to do and the foundation. But what I didn't realise that actually AA opened up a pathway to a spiritual pathway, a way of looking at yourself and the way that you interact with the world, with the people in the world, with the physical attributes of the world, and a time to reflect about who you are, what you've been like, but more importantly, what you want in the rest of your life. And so I found this past year quite a roller coaster as I have looked back and looked into the present of where I ended up before AA and then my past year of sobriety. I found it quite extraordinary, some of the memories that come back, that all of a sudden I look at them in an entirely different light where I'd always believed X, Y, and Z about an event in my life or a relationship, I've suddenly seen it from a different point of view. 
and thought, oh my goodness, maybe if I'd reacted differently, if I hadn't been so frightened, if I'd been more compassionate, maybe I w- things would have worked out differently. Of course, it's counterfactual. You don't know and you can't do anything about it because it's past. It's over. But you can reflect about what you don't want to do again. I've been working very hard on reflecting about my behaviour, particularly patterned behaviour with, say, relatives um, and, you know, ingrained (laughs) patterns of behaviour and reactions and consciously practising to do try and do things differently, to pause, as someone said to me once, you know, pause, pray, and proceed. And so I try now when something happens or someone says something to me, not to do the immediate reaction that I get, but to not to act on that, but to just let it sit. And then just think about, okay, what do I do about this? Should I say something? Should I not say something? Should I do something? If I do something, what should I do? And just let that sit for a while. And it can happen in a flick or it can be a considered um, reflection of a situation and it may take weeks and before you f- I feel comfortable about what I should do or more often than not what I should not do. Uh, so I found this journey surprising. Um, in some ways, it may sound odd, but... Alcoholism has been a gift in a way because it brought me to a point in which I really have started to think about myself and my place in the world and how I want to live the rest of my life. When I was drinking, I could never have done that, not in a million years. So... It's been an interesting past year, um, complicated by COVID, which actually, in a way, hasn't really bothered me. I guess I've been living a quite an internal life in some ways. Um, and always as difficult as I have found some of the concepts or perhaps the words not the concept, the words that are used in the big book um, and the suggestions proposed I have worked with them and I know that it'll be a journey probably for the rest of my life alcoholism doesn't go away The danger of drinking is over your shoulder. Um, 
but I'm slowly building a house in which I can be safe and I don't need to drink anymore. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity to share today and to Dan who organised this and to my fellow Came to Believers. Thank you very much. Thanks, Margie. Thanks, Margie. So yeah, this is uh, Access Radio, Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM and this is Alcoholics Anonymous meeting on air. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll do a bit of a share now. So um, I'm Dan, I'm an alcoholic. Yeah, and um, I'm just rereading that reading, and um, it just makes me realise that spirituality—it's—it's it's, it's different things to different people. And for, and for me, I—I I don't <laughs> after rereading that, this makes me realise I don't really understand it. <laughs> I was listening to the reading, and I was trying to focus on it, and there's a lot of stuff going on, and. I was also just trying to just think about being present and being here in the studio and just being grateful for being here and just grateful that we've got three members in here. We we are you know, we're limited in, in the studio to only have four people at once. So we have had you know nine or ten people in here before, all clamouring to share and things. It's been great. Um, but yeah, we, we always have the right number. So I, I was sort of thinking about all those things, but yeah, also just refocusing on what what the um, what the reading is. And uh, you know, like like for me, um, you know, it's 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 really something which, um, I mean, like, like I I I feel like I always had a relationship with God, who's my you know my higher power. I'm quite happy to call my higher power God. And I feel as though in my twenties, most of my thirties, I was blocking out that connection with God, and alcohol was a great blocker for that, and. I feel as though I have been getting it back over the the time that I have been sober, and you know, more things have always been revealed to me, and you know they seem to come along at the right time. I think uh, just when I kind of think that um, you know my life is you know in order, everything's kind of structured in a way that I want it, and and I'm happy, and there's there's no more worries than you know. Than, than <laughs> Then, um, then, then, then more things come at me. And but if, if if some of the things that have you know have, have come at you know came at me at sort of five years sober, if they if they were around when I was one year sober, I wouldn't have been able to handle them. So I kind of think that the, the you know, sort of challenges and things are um, do come at the right time. Yeah. But um, yeah, just just looking out at the um, some other some other bits. Um, you know, it's it's <clears throat> to me that that the reading is you know says something about the joy of being sober, and um, yeah, like I certainly felt that joy, especially like in the f- my first year of recovery. I remember like you know skipping and jumping along to meetings, not not always at the beginning. Sometimes I was sort of drag my feet to them and think, well, do I really have to go? But then eventually I'd be really looking forward to them and you know, sort of planning my um, my week around the meetings I was going to, planning social events after the meetings and really just just having a great joy, joy and sobriety and going out for coffee at night time and eating lollies and things like that and just um, doing things on a Friday night which I wouldn't have, wouldn't have normally done. 
and I think um, yeah, and, and just just being grateful for just just the real the real simple things in life. I mean, um, I'm just I'm just trying to I, I'm not I'm, I don't remember experiencing gratitude as a drinker. Um, maybe I was sort of grateful for like you know that I didn't spend every single last cent that I had, or that you know I um, I didn't offend every single person that I went out uh, with. Um, but I, I certainly did have. You know, a lot, you know, there, there were so many times where, you know, I just did awful, terrible, embarrassing things, you know, to myself and to and to others, and um, yeah, and it's it's it really is a new life now, like I like I feel like I've been given another chance, another chance to live a different life, and um, and I do think about my old life, and I also know that my old life is still there if I want it. And I could I could quite quite easily go back and <laughs> and go backwards and lose everything that I've gained. And um, but in order not to do that, I, I I need to you know continue to do a few simple things on a daily basis. You know, and um, and those things are you know going to meetings regularly and praying and meditating and doing service. And um, you know, and and just trying to think of others, you know, and um, these are things which I've, I, you know, still do today, and I still work on. I still, I don't do anything. Don't, I don't, I don't do, you know, the program perfectly anywhere near perfect, but like, um, you know, I still keep trying, and I know that, like, for for me, just just coming into the rooms and, you know, and like not drinking and going to meetings. That that was fine for the first couple of weeks, you know. But like, I, I don't think it would have worked long term, you know. Like I jumped into the the steps quite quickly. I was given a sponsor and and started working on myself straight away. And you know, like I've still got a sponsor, and you know, I I do uh, see him and speak to him fairly regularly. And um, and I do have people that I help as well. And like um, something else which was you know shared earlier as well, not re- not regretting the past. I think. Uh, for me, yeah, all, all my experiences, while they're you know horrible, a lot of them are horrible and embarrassing. Um, that those experiences are able to, I'm, I'm able to use to help other people because it, cause it gives me, I don't know, some sort of like an authenticity of like you know I'm, I've I've been where you've been and and look and I've, I've and I've I've come out, at the other side and been able to. Stop drinking and maintain sobriety and live a good life as a result. And I think you know those are that's an important message for people that are that are still drinking and really you know struggling to 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 get sober or stay sober. Yeah. So um, yeah, I I am really really grateful to be here and it's you know it's a wonderful program AA. It's like um, I'm really I'm really glad that. It exists in all its forms. That you know, I'm glad that there's live meetings here in Wellington, and I'm glad that there's online ones. I'm really happy that we can still do this really cool radio show, and you know, be here together. And yeah, there's something quite poignant about sharing on the radio, and um, just knowing that it's going, you know, like far and wide as well, not just not just in Wellington, and not just even in New Zealand. So. Um, I will leave it there, but um, and, and I'll just say, you know, thanks to Came to Believe for 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 coming in 
today, and it's and um, did you want to say uh, do you want to say something else, Heather? I would just like anyone in Wellington to come along to our face-to-face meeting, which is on Sunday mornings at eleven o'clock in Vivian Street here in the centre of Wellington. Be good to see you there. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Heather. Yeah, and it's, it's yeah, it's it's a meeting that I've I have gone to you know, many times over the last few years as well, and it's actually the first meeting that I staggered into um, <laughs> ten and a bit years ago. Yeah. And um, yeah, I remember that very well. So um, all right, well let's let's um let's all join together and um and, and close the meeting with with the uh, serenity prayer. That would be great. God, God grant, grant me the serenity, serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Thanks everyone for coming in. It's absolutely awesome. That program was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.